Well, it is good to be with you. I missed you guys last week. Um, we were down in Texas. Uh, we were having vacation, but also helping my father-in-law out and family down there. And so um, it, was, it was a good trip. Uh, a little bit of a drive, but definitely worth it. And uh, it's a little bit warmer there uh, than it is here. So this, this weather is really, really, really nice, right? Still nice to all of you, right? The one thing, I don't know if there's a nice shade patch here. If anybody back there wants to kind of move up here. Any takers? No? Okay. Man, you guys, this is why, you know, we're going to be back inside sooner than later because you all get quiet on me out here. So you're all there, right? Okay, just checking in. So you're so far away, I can't really see if you're smiling, sleeping, picking your nose, whatever. So have at it, I guess. But the person next to you might not enjoy that. Um, but it is good to be back with you. Frank, there's the man. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate that. Kirk, flying solo up here. Um, I do spit a little bit when I get excited, but I'll try to keep it to a minimum. I'll, I'll aim this way. Um, but it is good to be back with all of you, and good to be outside in this beautiful weather. And, you know, it's, it's uh, just a, a lot of stuff is, is going on around here, a lot of good things. Um, we got some dirt back here now, and I, this week, right, Brad? Our playground equipment's going to finally <laughs> be going in. So we're excited about that. Um, next Sunday, we'll have all of you check it out and try it out and make sure it's, it's working okay. But, you know, we are uh, starting as our back into a series. We're not starting. We're going back into a series. Um, you may, if you've been here for a minute, for a few years, you may remember that we have been in an Acts series. Um, and we started it, I believe, two years ago now. This is year three. So we, like, in the summertime, we jump in. I, I'm excited about it, too, because it's, it's a book study, and I love getting into book studies where we're kind of, we don't go necessarily verse by verse, but we, we take it, kind of work through, you know, section by section, chapter by chapter, and we really just try to, um, again, just let the scripture do what it's supposed to do, and we just unpack that, and we make some applications that are beneficial, and so it's, it's great, and I hope you'll enjoy jumping in. If you are newer to the church and haven't heard the rest of it, um, you know, you can go back and you can find that online. Uh, did you guys know that we have a podcast that we, our sermons are on podcasts too? How many knew that? A few people. If you do podcasts, it's really cool because you can just find our church, Long Grove Community Church, and you subscribe to it, and then the sermon will just show up there every week, and so you can just go and click on it, listen to it that way. But of course, you can find it on our website. But I would encourage you to go back and to listen um, as we're going to be jumping in on Acts chapter 13 today. Uh, all of the rest uh, are, are there online. Um, when we started our first summer, it was actually called Unfinished, the Church on Mission, and we did Acts 1 through 7. And then um, last summer, we started the, the, the series, and it's, again, it's just Acts continuing, but it's called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. And so that was all the way from uh, 8 to 13, or to, through 12, and today we're jumping back in on 13. And, you know, I love the, the book of Acts, as I think all of us should. I mean, I mean, all of us should love the whole Bible, but, but the book of Acts is really neat because it's just, it's the beginnings of the church, right? And, you know, you, you, you have to always stop, and I always try to encourage us when we approach the scripture to stop and think about what they were, where they were, what they were going through, what it was like, because, again, they didn't have this, um, you know, kind of framework for what a ch the church is supposed to look like, Right? We have, you know, we're so used to it. Many of us grew up in the church. Churches, this church has been around for 175 years. So we kind of have this, this is what the church is, what it looks like, what it's supposed to do. But they're still discovering this. They're still experiencing this. And so just imagine that as, as they're trying to kind of figure this out, 
and being led by the spirit of God. And, you know, and, and, and while this is, um, it's a beautiful time, it's a challenging time, but it's, it's like a, a pure time, right? Because all the junk hadn't really crept into the church or where, you know, nowadays you have things, I would say places that have the word church above it, but they're far from it. And so, you know, I, I just, I love the, 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 the simplicity in one sense of, of this. And, you know, uh, around our house, you know, it happened, it actually came out about 10 years ago, I think, this movie. And um, it's, it's one of our favorites. I'm scared to say it, but not really. But it, I don't know, anybody, any Hannah Montana followers? Raise them high. Do you guys know what Hannah Montana is? Okay, okay. So here's the deal. This was before Miley, you know, went off the cliff or whatever. So, um, but back in the day, you know, what we love is the, the songs are catchy and like Levi's jams out to it. He loves it. Actually, Isaac and Noah, they used to do it. I don't know if I could still get them, but they, but one thing we love about it is that the songs are catchy and, and, um, but we love it. It takes place in Tennessee. And so we love Tennessee and it's just, there's these moments, you know, and the guy's riding the horse through the mountain backdrop and just beautiful. And my heart is full, you know, just watching this, like, wow, just, it's such, Tennessee is such a beautiful place. And, um, and so we love that part, but the whole premise of the story and what I, what I enjoy and why I like, you know, even with Levi watching it is she had gotten kind of caught up in, in all the stardom of being this singer, you know, rock star kind of person. And she lost kind of the essence of who she was. And the whole idea was going back home to, to, you know, to Tennessee to discover and to remember where she came from. And, you know, one of the things I think, you know, one of the expressions that we would use to, for something like that is, is going back to what? To our, yes, you guys are with me. Thank you. To our roots, right? And so, you know, that's really the, that same kind of, you know, idea today as, as we, we go back into Acts. We're really going back to our roots. We're going back to our church roots and what it's supposed to be. And, and you know, again, going into this today, I want you just to, to understand this. And, you know, when Jesus walked the earth and his followers were with him, you know, they were disciples, right? They walked with him. And a disciple simply means a follower. And they followed Christ. And in Acts, you see them kind of shift gears from disciple to now they're apostles. And do you know what apostle means? Any, any biblical scholars here? One who is sent. One who is sent. And so, you know, to understand that and to think about what they were doing and really to think about what we are called to do is we're supposed to be sent, aren't we? We're supposed to be going out into the world. And so really, we walk in those same shoes, so to speak. And so today, you know, we are, we are looking at this, and I want you to have this in front of you and, and this idea that we are supposed to be moving. You see, again, the church... The church proclaimed that Jesus, you know, he, he is and was, he was the Messiah at that time and is the Messiah. And it started first in Jerusalem at home, but then it went all around the world. We are sitting here today, <laughs> think about that, because of something that happened on the other side of the world a couple thousand years ago, right? So that is, that is huge, and that's a testament to the fact that they were sent and they went, and so, you know, just to give you a quick kind of snapshot, a bit of background about Acts, again, go back to the first message back a couple years ago, and I, I did a much more in depth. But just to give you an idea, the authorship is credited to Luke. The date was probably around 61 AD, and most likely written in Rome while Paul was uh, in his house arrest time. And it, it spans about 30 years, okay? 
So that's kind of what we're dealing with in the book of Acts. Its purpose was to serve as a bridge between Jesus and the early church, okay? So kind of as Jesus was here, walked the earth, uh, was resurrected, went to heaven, and, and then as the church was developing and then becoming established as the church. And so Acts is kind of that bridge of, of, of events, and it's, it's chronologically laid out for us, which is nice. And it records really the spread of Christianity. Like I said, the reason we're here today. Last Sunday, I was again, we were gone. We were in Texas at the time, but it was also uh, it was Pentecost Sunday. You guys remember that last week? And, you know, that's important because that's almost, it's kind of the birthday of the church. That's when the Holy Spirit came and everything kind of began in that moment. And today, as we walk through Acts 13, I want you to pay specific attention to any time that the the mention of the Holy Spirit shows up. Because he was key, the the Holy Spirit was moving and, and doing things. And again, when Jesus left, he said it was good that he left. Why? I mean, that's a crazy statement, right? Like, who would say, hey, Jesus, I would think it's good that you go, It was good, he said, because he's gonna send a comforter and that's the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Holy Spirit just woven through everything and at work. And so I want you just to kind of perk up when you see or hear that today and, and, and make note of it. And you know, again, this is gonna show us this pattern, all of Acts, show us our patterns for church life. And, and this is why I think it's important for us as a church to go through it. How many, how many can get stuck in a rut sometimes? Raise them high. It's okay. I'm raising my hand too, right? Because we just like things, right? We like predictability. We, like, we get something going a certain way, and it's just like, okay, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And so it's important for us to always though, come back and do a check-in a check and a check-up to say, is this something that I've just kind of become comfortable with, or is this something that is authentic and an es- the essence of what we're supposed to be doing? And so, again, I think the book of Acts helps us come back to really the heart of the gospel and the heart of who we are as a church. It explains both our mission and purpose, both as a church, but also as followers of Christ. Did you know that individually, by yourself, you are not the church? (laughs) We are the church. We gather together. We are the church because God never designed it for us to walk alone, did he? That's why we gather That's why we don't have to be in this building or the other building. We can be out here in the lawn, and guess what? We are the church today, amen? I want you to know that because you need to know that. And so we are the church, and so this is, again, what we're being reminded of and where we're gonna be looking at today. And so the book of Acts is laid out. Basically, we see this, the Holy Spirit come. They receive power. They begin witnessing in Jerusalem, and then it spreads to Judea and Samaria, And now we're moving into this final phase, and we are not going to get through the rest of Acts this summer. We're going to go one more summer. (laughs) So we're going to get through some of it, but this summer, next summer, we're going to be talking about to the ends of the earth, and we're going to be exploring that together. Uh, Before we jump into Acts, I want to read from Mark chapter 16, these two verses from 15 and 16, and it should be familiar for most of us. And this is Jesus, and he says, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's everywhere. We're supposed to go into all the world, and that's what they're doing. In verse 16, it says, listen, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That was your chance for another amen. I'm not trying to solicit amens, but you should get excited about that one because if you've been saved, you're saved. (laughs) And so that is an encouragement, and so we've been saved. And it goes on, though, it says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And again, I think in the climate of today, in the, the culture we live in, 
A lot of people say, well, that doesn't seem like a very loving God, does it? I mean, they're condemned if they don't receive it. And to that person, I would say you missed the first part of that phrase or that, that phrase of that sentence and that statement in the scripture where it's whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's good news, right? It's there. It's, it's for them, for everyone to accept, to say, hey, I, I want that. You know, if you're floating in the middle of the ocean and you've been treading water for a week and a half and a ship pulls up and they throw you a life preserver <laughs> and you say, no, I'm good, thanks, appreciate it, and you just kind of toss it back, whose fault is that? <laughs> Yet that's really what we're dealing with with the gospel message. Our job is simply to throw the preserver. It's their job to take hold, right? And if they choose not to, you know, we pray for them and we plead with them even. This is what we want to, you know, you can be saved. <laughs> There's a means to be saved. And so again, God is a loving God because he extends that and offers that salvation you know, there's a process that God set out to restore creation to himself. You know, he sent his son to live, die, be resurrected to life again. The next part of the process was to proclaim this great commission that we're all on today. And then we saw Pentecost, the sending of the Holy Spirit and its global impact. And then the church begins to spread in Jerusalem and, and is actually scattered from Jerusalem. We are actually met here the past two days, our vision team did, and we were talking about this and even talked about persecution and when the early church was persecuted, and you know that is the very thing, well, most of us, if you're like me, would say, Lord, relieve me from my persecution. Instead, the persecution was the very thing that scattered the church that caused the gospel to go out. And so understanding that is, is important, and, and, and so we see this scattering from Jerusalem. We see Saul's conversion on his way to Damascus. We see, again, uh, Peter have a, this epiphany and as he goes to Cornelius' home and sees that the gospel is for the Gentiles as well. We see Stephen's followers after he's martyred in Antioch showing up. And now, today, again, we begin and we see this commissioning of Paul and Barnabas by the church in Antioch to go out. So again, they are going to the ends of the earth. And this is where we're gonna be for the, the next number of weeks here. Now, Paul's gonna go on four trips. Three of those are missions trips. One, ultimately, his last trip would be to Rome where he would ultimately be executed. You see, Jerusalem, their job in Jerusalem had been done, and now they're going outward. And so now in, in, in chapter 13 of Acts, as we prepare to read, understand that this scene is gonna open up in Antioch, which is in Syria, and then there's another Antioch towards the end, but it's a different place located uh, in another region. So just have that understanding. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 13, verse one, I believe it's also um, in the bulletin there if you're following along there. So let's jump in and we'll take it a bit at a time here. Verse one, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, remember what we talked about, that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews 
and they had John to assist them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this gorgeous day. God, while it's, the sun is out, we still have just this cool breeze. And God, I just pray that more than that, we, we just sense that in the same way, Lord, your presence here by your spirit. God, we thank you that the same Holy Spirit that we read about today in the scriptures, the same Holy Spirit that is at work, Lord, in us and in the church and in the world today. So God, we thank you that you have not left us alone, but that the comforter is here and at work. God, we pray that we would be vessels for, for you to use today. We pray that you would um, open our hearts to receive your word. And God, we just thank you again just for this beautiful time together. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So again, so we have the church here, and the church was in Jerusalem. It was established, and you know, they, some denominations still use this. They call it the mother church. That was the main church. That was kind of the nucleus of what had been happening. And Antioch was this extension, and, and one way to put it, it was the ascending church. So from that place, they were sending people out, and that's what we see here. We also see a very diverse ministry team. Um, you know, when you read through that list, again, Simeon, you know, it was literally called the black, and he was an African. He was from Africa. Lucius from Cyrene was, from, was a North African. Barnabas was a Jew from Cyprus, and that's where they were going first. Manan, again, he was connected to Herod's father, um, and some say he was possibly even a foster brother of Herod, the same Herod that Jesus would stand before and also the one that beheaded John the Baptist. And so this, and then, of course, this other guy, right, who's mentioned a few times in the Bible named Saul. Right, and he's a very interesting character, very central character, and he is a native of Tarsus. And so we have this group, right? This group of people, and I love the fact that they're from different places, that they're from different backgrounds, and and how God uses that, how He brings that together. I mean, even amongst even amidst our church here and amongst our folks, you know, we have some diversity here, and we, you know, it's it's beautiful. I love it because it just shows that how God uh, supersedes all of you know, any racial stuff that we can all gather together again and that God can use us to accomplish great things. And so the, I, I kind of emphasized it and you know, just to again bring reference and bring your, your attention back to verses two and four, you know, the question is, is who sent them? You know, initially we might say the church, but again, if you read in verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I called them. And so again, uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that set them apart. That was setting them apart. That's the Holy Spirit. And then down in verse four, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit again is, is working and moving. He is the one that is leading. And, you know, I really believe that this sets kind of the precedence for all of us both individually but also as a church, that we should, be, we should be seeking God's will. We should be saying, God, lead and guide us. Not just coming up with, you know, wonderful, you know, kind of uh, intelligent plans, but God gave us a mind. So, you know, we, we do kind of, uh, we have to work all that together, but we need to really be sensing the leading of the Spirit of God. And so we want to still be, again, led by the Spirit. And when we go out, we want to be sent by the Spirit because then we know that he is with us. And so we see these men go. And that, again, that could be a whole sermon in itself, but they, they go. They don't say, well, you know, let me check my schedule. This isn't a good time. They know that God is sending them and that this is what they're called to do, and so they step out by faith. 
And as you follow them, as we follow them through Acts, you know, you see this pattern. And their pattern was always to go typically to the synagogue first, right? Because they're going to the Jews and they're going to present the gospel message, the good news. And so they go out and they usually go to the, the synagogues and then you'll see it shift to the Gentiles. And this is where really Paul was really the man for the job, the right man for the job. And that's why, you know, I believe God uh, called him and God, he had such a dramatic conversion experience because Paul was legally Roman, culturally a Greek. He was religiously a Jew and he was a Christian by the grace of God. And so we see just this blend in, in even just him where he can function and speak to many different groups of people because of his own life experience. And so let's read on a little further now, jumping back in at verse six. And it says, when they had gone through the whole island as far as uh, Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, right? Now, this isn't like David Copperfield, you know, pulling bunnies out of a hat magician. This is, you know, kind of the real deal, like just not a good person. And, you know, it, it always is like this. It doesn't matter if you're watching a movie or just in life, you know, everything starts out good. You know, they're probably skipping along, whistling, singing some songs, and it doesn't take long for something to happen, Yeah. Anybody experienced that in their life? You know, especially, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but let me just say, especially, sorry, I want to choose my words wisely here, but I think oftentimes when we are called by God, there's, whether we say it or not, or truly believe it or not, we automatically default to this assumption that everything is going to be roses and, you know, smooth sailing, because God called us, Right? I don't know about you, but that's something I, I deal with sometimes. Like, God, I know you called me, so why is there all this opposition? And I just, I wanna tell you that, and for some of you today, maybe some of you need to hear this, that sometimes if God has truly called you, the opposition is simply just a, a, a marker that you're on the right track. <laughs> because doesn't it make sense if you're truly following what God has called you to do and being obedient, that the enemy would want to, to trip you up, that the enemy would oppose that? And for some of us here today, if, if life has just been smooth sailing for a long time, <laughs> and again, I'm not saying to go out and find trouble or do something to derail everything, but if you've just been smooth sailing for years and years, you may want to recheck the compass a little bit and say, God, am I doing what you've called me to do? Because when we, we do step out, there will be opposition and it's not for us to be afraid of because we know that God has overcome that. But again, it doesn't surprise me here that you know, they, they're on their way and then they meet this man, a Jewish man, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Pallas, and a man of intelligence summoned, who summoned Barabbas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Again, so this leader summons Saul and, and, and Barnabas um, to him because he wants to hear the word. So again, we see this, this is an encouragement, but again, this guy's hanging out. And it says, but, but Elymas, the magician, against the same guy, Sergius, uh, but this is uh, his, um, oh, it's, it's his name, his other name that they use. And so again, so it's the same person, but the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So we see what he's up to. And he's, he's, he's head on, you know, trying to steer this the opposite direction. And it goes on in verse nine. But Saul, who was called Paul, here's that thing, that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, and I love this, someday maybe we can do this, but he says to the guy, you son of the devil, 
you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Isn't that just, I don't know, I like that. It's just fiery, right? I mean, if you say that from the pulpit now, you, you might offend somebody or hurt somebody's feelings, but man, Paul knew, Paul knew what he was dealing with, right? He had a boldness and he knew he had an authority to engage this guy. And verse 11 it says, and now behold, the hand of the Lord, he says to him, is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And so again, you have this guy, this false prophet, and you know, he shows up, and again, this Elemis, it's a Semitic name, that's what, the word I was trying to find, it's a Semitic name, and it literally means sorcerer, or as the, this text here says, magician. And interesting enough too, his other name, Bar-Jesus, it means literally son of Jesus, right? Isn't that a little strange? I don't know, it's strange to me, like, Okay, you're saying that the son of Jesus, and he's called this, yet Paul calls him the son of the devil. <laughs> and I think there's something there, you know, because again, if, if, you've ever, if you ever come across a false prophet, there's this appearance of, of truth. There's this appearance of, of, what is, of what is right or, you know, like what you would say is good. And I think that the fact that he's named the son of Jesus, bar Jesus, is that yet he's this false prophet. Like almost, but there's this undermined kind of thing happening behind the scenes. And so, you know, in that time, that, that's when the Romans road was built, which connected east to west. And so, you know, this guy, it's thought that maybe he probably traveled a lot and he experienced a lot of different religions and he was trying, and, and, and this still happens today. But what this guy was doing is he was trying to kind of mix all these different religions together. So Christianity was just one of them. And he brings in all these different pieces. And so he's trying to kind of manipulate and steer these things. And that's also what is happening today. One of the greatest dangers to the church today is, is are the, like I said before, the buildings that have the word church above them on their sign, but they're preaching something contrary to the scripture or they're preaching only the comfortable parts of scripture. You see, we here at Long Grove, my, my heart, I know the, the heart of the leadership here is we preach the whole counsel of God, even the hard parts. We don't tear pages out of our Bible. We don't you know, go into to just the certain fuzzy, warm, happy places. We wanna be challenged by the word of God. And so again, you, know, you have the, a, a, a version of this that's watered down out there today. And you've gotta be very careful because the enemy is not walking around with horns and a pitchfork and a red cape. It's much more, he's much more slick than that. And it's, it, and it's the appearance that it looks right. And if you, don't, if you don't know the word of God and you don't know truth, you can be deceived. And so immediately these apostles recognized this, this man and what he was doing. And it's interesting, why did Paul, you know, again, say that he would be blind you know, he says, the hand, <laughs> he says, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And a lot of times in scripture, that's a good thing. I've preached that many times. And you, know, and you look through, the hand of the Lord is on somebody to do something. But this was a much different hand of the Lord. And you know, the fact that he was gonna be blind, it sounds kind of familiar for Paul, doesn't it? Very similar experience when he was uh, blinded on the road to Damascus. 
and he was blind for a period of time. And so I don't know what happened to this man, this bar Jesus, you know, maybe, maybe he found God, you know, found Christ through it all. I don't know. We don't, we didn't get the rest of the story, but it is interesting that they came across this man right away, right out of the gate. But the beauty of it is, is at the end is that the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And so more than he saw what he saw, it's what was taught and the way that, again, that all this was being presented. And so you just see this amazing experience that they, they had, but they stepped out in faith first. And moving on in verse 13, it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail for Paphos and came to Perga in, in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. I want you to hold on to that phrase for just a moment. John left them and returned to Jerusalem. It says, but they went on from Perga and, be, and came to Antioch and Pisidia. Again, this is a different Antioch now. And on the Sabbath day, where did they go? They went to the synagogue and they sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Now, isn't this beautiful? <laughs> I mean, they're sitting there and they get word sent to them. You know, if you have a word from the Lord, go ahead and say it. And they're like, oh, I, I got, we got something to say. <laughs> we, got, we got a message just for you. And so I think it's great. And, and they are going to stand up and they are going to say something. But one of the things I want you to see, though, and like I told you to hold on, is that John left them. And that's, it's a pretty significant moment. It's a, it's a significant thing that, that he left and returned to Jerusalem now, we don't know exactly why John leaves. Also, he's called the one that's called John Mark as well. It's the same person. There's, you know, possibly, you know, he might be uh, closer to Barnabas, and, and Paul is kind of beginning to upstage, if you will, Barnabas. You know, he's kind of, Paul's starting to step into his own. That could be a reason. We don't know. Or maybe, you know, he's one of the Jewish leaders, and now he's seeing this shift, and they're, they're sharing the gospel with the Gentiles and presenting it, and maybe he's not quite there yet, and he's struggling with that. Or, or maybe, he was, he, maybe he was sick. That area was known to carry malaria. And even when Paul got sick there, and, and that was believed to what, believe, sorry, that was believed to what, has, what had happened to him. And so it could have been a sickness. It could have been something like that. Uh, maybe he was just homesick, but but the, the point is, is that this did not settle well with Paul. And again, if you have your Bibles, this isn't in the bulletin, but if you want to jump to chapter 15, I just want to touch on something real quick, and we'll deep dive in a few weeks when we get there. But chapter 15 and verse 36, this is uh, when they're about to kind of go back out, and it says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Verse 37, now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, okay? So he's saying, well, okay, that's great. Let's go again. I want to bring Mark along, or I mean with John. And it goes on and says, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them. One who had withdrawn from them. And it says, and not gone with them to, to do the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. So again, this departure would ultimately be the separation between Paul and Barnabas, would be kind of the, 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 the source of it, the root of it for some reason. Now, again, to see withdrawn, that's one thing, but some translations, uh, they translate it this way because that, that word that's used there, for example, the New Living Translation says, since John Mark had deserted them, is how it reads. And so whatever reason, and it goes on and says it had not continued with them in their work. So Paul was not happy with John. 
Now, I don't know about you, but this is encouraging to me. Why is it encouraging to me? Well, there's a pretty serious disagreement happening, right? There's a serious disagreement happening, and yet there's, there's a way that they, you know, that we call it church conflict. And church conflict is not fun, but it happens. Why? Because when you get a group of people, especially people that are different, from different places and different walks of life and different stages of life, you're gonna have disagreements. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> amen. It's okay. And that's, that's what I'm here to say. It's just like with your family, right, at home. I'm sure none of you ever have bad days or have disagreements, right? All you married couples, y'all smiling, right? Make sure you hold hands. Just keep looking at me. <laughs> we have disagreements, don't we? Amen. Does it mean we thank you? Thank you for your honesty, Chip. We have disagreements. Do you still love that person? Yes, is the answer, if you're looking for it. Yes, we do. With our children, do we have disagreements? Probably more so than the other way, right? I mean, we have disagreements, but that doesn't change. It doesn't mean like, hey, I'm out, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not part of this family anymore. And so what's beautiful about this is, yeah, there was a, a hefty disagreement, and even to the point where Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul had to go different directions, but they were still brothers in Christ. They were still brothers in Christ, and they still stayed on the course to accomplish what God had put before them. Again, they just had to do it a little different. And so, again, understanding that disagreements will happen, and Paul is very animate about this, again, that he, whatever had happened was not pretty, and whatever reason John left, Paul did not agree with. But, you know, we see it nonetheless, and we see them yet still go forward. And so, again, for the sake of time today, because I really want to get us to the end here, and I want to wrap some things up for us. But from verses 16 through 41, this is some homework for you. I know everybody loves to have homework, but today you're going to get it. And I want you to read through that this week, 16 through 41, because Paul stands up, again, in the synagogue, and he presents the gospel message. And he does it in a way that's just incredible. And he goes back and he touches on their history, and he walks them up to the point where Jesus came, and then he presents the gospel, the good news of, of who Jesus really truly was, the Messiah, and, and presents this opportunity for them. And so, you know, please go back and read this. And, you know, one thing I want you to notice, too, when Paul uh, presents this is the fact that he knows his audience, he doesn't have just a, a script he follows every single time, but he knows he's talking to the, to the Jews, and so the way he lays it out is a way that they can understand and the way that they can kind of walk in. And I say that to all of us today is because it's important for us to know the people that we're talking to. Take time to understand their story. Take time to understand where they are. Um, and then when you're given that opportunity, if God presents that and you present the gospel, then you do it in a way that you understand, how can I walk this person in from where they are? The message is the same. The way we go about walking them in can change. Does that make sense? So, so I want you to do that. Make sure you read through that this week because I'm going to ask you next week for a show of hands, all right? So let's, we're going to jump back in, though, at verse 42. So Paul has just preached this and presented the gospel, right? And again, they're gonna, it's going to go on here in verse 42. It says, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So again, a lot of people were like, this is awesome. Will you come back and tell us more? 
okay? And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Everything's going great, right? They received the message. It's going good. Remember how we started when everything's going good? What do we do? Get ready. Because <laughs> something's coming, right? But it, the source is interesting this time. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. All right, we're doing it. You know, packed house, max participation. The gospel is going forward. We have this moment. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So again, everything was great. The majority of the people were receiving the gospel. Everything was great. And then we get this rumble start happening. Verse 47, and he reminds them, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And now again, we're gonna go back up to a peak a little bit. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, right? Woo, good things are happening. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So we see just many coming to the faith at this point. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Start creeping down again. Verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Same message, two different responses, right? Same message, two different responses. And we see here that the religious kind of sect of that time, the religious system that was in place was what was bucking the pure, true gospel message of Jesus Christ. And it's something for us to be aware of and to take focus because again, we have to understand that Satan will use those systems, those religious systems to come against the very thing that God is wanting to accomplish. There are a lot of good things. There are a lot of good churches. There are a lot of good traditions in the faith, a lot of good denominations, I would even say. But wherever you land, wherever you are, you need to make sure that first and foremost, it lines up with this that whatever it is that you're standing on is not just something that was man-made, but that's something that God has set as an essential thing. And that's why I love the fact that we're a non-denominational church, meaning there are people across all the, the audience here that are in different places on what I would call open-handed things of the faith. Things that we could sit down, we can have a discussion, we may even have a debate about it. <laughs> But at the end of the day, we love each other. Why? Because what I would call the close-handed things, the essential things of the faith, we do agree on. And so that is important, and that's important to see this as well, that we continue to stay true to the scriptures. And I love the response that they gave, but they shook off the dust from their feet, in verse 51, against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. 
The point, not everyone is going to want to hear the good news, but it's okay. We're still supposed to share it, amen? And so as we wrap this up today, I, want, I wanted to leave you with really what I want you to take away from. So if you've been sleeping up till now, wipe, wipe the, the eye boogers out, tune in for just a minute. Three things I want you to walk away from today is this. First, we, meaning the church, we are supposed to be on the move. We're supposed to be on the move. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, we're not picking up this building and moving it. I don't know about you. I mean, we picked up this deck before. How many remember that? Yeah, well, <laughs> we moved this, but we've not, we're not moving the building. No, we, <laughs> the church, the people who are the church are supposed to still be on the move. There are people in our congregation who are here now who've been here a long time. There are some people that are preparing for another chapter that they are about to move physically, geographically somewhere else. Guess what? They are still the church. They are gonna carry the gospel. My prayer is that they will carry the gospel to where they go. But it's not just talking about that. All of us, meaning all of us here, are supposed to be on the move, meaning we are supposed to be out and about. We're supposed to be in the workplace. We're supposed to be in our, in our, in our golf games with our buddies, and whatever it is. Our families, we're supposed to be out there. We're supposed to be sharing. We're supposed to be on the move, being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us to, amen? And so don't become complacent. Just because you're not physically moving to another place, I don't know if you've done that much before, but it's, it's, it's kind of neat when you physically move somewhere, it's like a fresh start, right? And so sometimes it's hard for us when we are in a place for such a long period of time, we can become very kind of settled and even stagnant. And I want to encourage us not to be in that place today. Number two, the Christian witness has always been and will continue to be both verbal and visible. You see, the problem is, is there are a lot of believers out there who have, again, maybe all the scriptures memorized and they, they can even share the gospel like a champ. But when you look at their lives, they're living something contrary to the very thing that they're saying. That's not authenticity, is it? And the world will see through that in a, in a heartbeat. While there's others who maybe live what appears to be a good life, but they're not in the word of God. They're not, they couldn't even verbally say anything. Why? Because they don't know it. We've not spent the time to know God's word and God's heart. And so again, it's, it's both. It's both, we need both. We need to both be living lives you know, that are, are a testament to our faith and to God, but also speaking with our mouth truth. And the third and final thing, I wanna remind us today that the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that once we are saved, he is still at work today. I think especially uh, a lot of times in our veins of Christianity, we can lose sight of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. You see, the Holy Spirit, he's the one that, as we read earlier, the one that set them apart. He sets us apart. He is the one that sends us, and ultimately, he is the one that can saturate and fill us to overflowing. And that's where, that's where all this comes from, right? If we feel like sometimes, you know, like we're trying to lift so much or do it on our own, we need to probably stop and say, God, fill me with your spirit again. Go into his word. And if you've had those moments where the, the, you have this tangible sense almost of the Holy Spirit, 
he, he is wanting to use us and he wants to go with us if we'll invite him. These are the three things I want us to walk away from. And we know, again, we didn't have time with Paul's sermon, but I want you to notice those things when you go and read that. Church, at the end of it all, I want you to see God is calling us to go. We heard this all throughout the weekend in our, in our um, vision team meeting that that's what God's calling us to do. That's what we want to be known for is that we are a church that carries the gospel to those who need it. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this time to share your word. I thank you, God, just that you have spoken to us. And God, we see again through today and just understanding the process, Lord God, that, that there is... This, this transition, Lord, from being saved, once we are saved, to, to moving to this place where we're serving others and we're, we're being active. God, we pray that we will also continue to just invite your spirit to, to, to work through us, that you would saturate us, that you would fill us, Lord God, and ultimately that you would send us. God, for those of us here today, maybe that, that know where we're supposed to go, and God, while sometimes that may mean to the other side of the world as a missionary, and we, we acknowledge that and recognize that and support many missionaries, but God, sometimes it's the simplest thing of just going across the street to speak to a neighbor who's hurting. And God, I pray that your spirit would give us the boldness, just as we saw Saul engage, Paul, while Paul engaged, Lord, this, this false prophet even. God, that you would give us the boldness, Lord, just to proclaim your good news, the gospel, that you would give us a heart for the lost, that you would give us the eyes to see those who are hurting, and God, that we would come alongside, because Lord, we have the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ, and so God, we are grateful for that. God, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for those watching online today, God, that, that again, we would be challenged as we continue, Lord, to, to look at the early church, the challenges they faced, but Lord, how you were faithful time and time again, and while the road wasn't easy, God, you were faithful and you gave them the strength to persevere and to break through many challenges and hurdles. God, we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for again what you've spoken to us and we pray, Lord, that it has taken root in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, would you stand?